Dear, dear listeners. That's not how the book starts. How does it start? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) On a quiet night in September. Something. A child wrapped in. No, no, I'm pretty sure it's like something, something of 11 Privet Drive. We're perfectly normal. Thank you very much. There's definitely no, we're perfectly normal, thank you very much. Oh, uh, no, it's that is the like line. private drive. Privet. It's Pri- privet, to be Privet. Clear. What they probably should be calling Excuse it, but they're me. British. Okay, I'm about to look this up right now. Look Opening it up. line Open of Harry Potter. Up. Mr. and Mrs. Dursley of number four Privet Drive were proud to say that they were perfectly normal, thank you very much. It says that? Intro. <laughs> really? That's the first line. How stupid was I to like this book? Hi everybody, I'm John. And I'm Bethany. And this is... Uh, gonna be a different version of home, home viewing of home viewing than you've ever heard before. We're about to undertake something a little bit, well, maybe too big for our britches. For yeah, sure. for sure. We got big britches. We've got big britches. So uh, it is June eighth, two thousand nineteen. It's nine thirteen a.m. <laughs> right now. Um, over the next two days, we are going to watch the entirety, all eight movies. <laughs> Of the Harry Potter film series. So, this is going to be interesting. We've invited some friends over to Marathon with us. We'll see if they show but up. But it's currently monsooning. Yeah, there's a... So, I'm not sure. There's If we uh, the, get the one, I'll be happy. The flood is happening right now. Yeah. If, if anyone Thank comes... Thank you, Crawley. It'll be nice. <laughs> if anyone comes, it'll be nice. If not, we will be drinking alone. But, uh... What we're going to do is after each movie, we're going to go ahead and record our thoughts for about five to ten minutes. Hopefully more on the five-minute side, or this would be an 80-minute episode. Oh, God. Wait. <laughs> oh, there is eight movies. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I feel like this was the true like beginning of the two-parters that everyone got obs- like obsessed with movie-wise. Oh, well, yeah. They were the ones who decided to break up Deathly Hallows, even though most of Deathly Hallows is Happened camping. Happened in the first one. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it was kind of a very Game of Thrones decision. They were like, let's just make the second one the battle. Let's do that. Let's put all the fun stuff in the second one. And we'll put in the Hermione torture in the first one. Wait, I like the first one. Yeah, no, the first one's pretty good. Because it has the most interesting acting because everyone's doing all their gloomy stuff mm-hmm. in there. Whereas, uh, we're, we're getting ahead all of right, ourselves. Alright, yeah, let's not get ahead of ourselves. Listen, let's, okay. Let's, let's wa- rewind ahead. it back to year one, you know, when you all enter the castle. Let's just go ahead and say... Ooh, I, should we no, sort ourselves? I, I th- oh, that's a different podcast. That's a different podcast. But uh, I'm a Hufflepuff and you're a Ravenclaw. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> Um, now, if, if, now I just want to say, I think going in, we should see what our preconceived notions are and see what changes over time. Ooh. Because I'm just so going to go ahead and say you got, it. got some first movie predictions? Or? Well, <laughs> no. <laughs> I, what, what, which I one mean, is I mean, I could be remembering it wrong, so we could just go that route. Which one is your favorite and which one is your least favorite? Um. 
Because, like, they all have this pretty good change, redeeming sure. qualities. I'm sure Okay, I always say that my favorite is the f- Goblet of Fire one. Yeah. And you always say that your favorite one is the Prisoner of Azkaban. Yeah, because it is. Because it's the best one. Okay, Prisoner but of Azkaban was also my favorite book, too. So I'm that- ready for some good, like... Highlights of the other ones that I might have missed before. I think Half-Blood Prince might actually surprise me yeah, and pull out. Yeah, yeah. I think that's one of the most, more underappreciated ones, but I think it has a lot of really good moments in it. Of course, and of course, Order of the Phoenix is just a great film. Oh, yeah, Thini? So you think that the think, second one is the best? I think she thinks that either the first one, well, I think she thinks the first one was the best one. Because of Fluffy. Yeah, but the third one. The third one, because of Sirius. Sirius is great. Oh, God. Uh, yeah, no, we're going to go on an emotional journey. This was a lot to do to children, you're JK. Gonna, you're going to come along with us. I'm just saying. And it's going to be a grand Yay, old time. shitty world construction, plus these, like, deep, depressing things. So Thank we'll you. be back in just a little bit with our thoughts on Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. <laughs> Well, I think that was a bit of a fine, uh, a fine little film directed by Chris Columbus right there. Well, that was, that was certainly something. Columbus, you say? No, 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 no. Chris Columbus, oh, the oh. director, not the genocidal rapist. Certainly something to see that film again after all these years. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> all right, that was... we, we finished Sorcerer's <laughs> Stone. Um, that. Um, it is now 11.50. We're already losing it. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god, how long was that movie? It's a long movie. Oh they're they're all long films. It was it, it was a year. It took place over a year. Exactly. Know. That was a year of events right there. <laughs> well, actually, arguably, it was 11 years of events, considering that it starts... Oh, yeah. <laughs> when he was a wee little baron. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I mean, I will say that was opening shots. Tom, you weren't here. For, this is our friend Tom, who's on here with Hi. us. I'm their friend, Tom. Historic, historic <laughs> DM of ours. <laughs> um, I think Tom wasn't here for the opening sequence, but that Deluminator scene is very effective. Oh, man. I, I remember it. Yeah. It was, it was good. <laughs> yeah, it like, kind of demonstrates, it's like, oh, this is, this is not our world, necessarily. Like, it, it shows, it's, it's a good introduction to the fantastical, even though they don't necessarily spell it out. Uh, I thought the snake scene was fun. The snake scene was a lot of fun, always. Good, good owls. Lots of owls. I wonder how much, how many owls they had to buy for this movie. I wonder how many. You mean higher, probably. I'm sure they didn't just. Oh, buy like them. they get to cash their own paycheck. Come on. <laughs> yeah, they pay the owls and feed. You know, it's you know, <laughs> it's a good system. It's slavery. No, it's not. It's owl anyway, slavery. Anyway, okay, all right, all right. Am I in PETA now? <laughs> no. This is uh, uh. It's it's interesting though. A lot of the CGI. Is very <laughs> late nineties, early two thousands. It is of the time. What are humans? Ragdolls? Yes. <laughs> I, I will say though that you know them working within knowing the constraints of the time. It's used a lot more tastefully. I would say. Oh, absolutely. It though works better. I think. I think at the time, I, I do still remember seeing the scene where Voldemort's like spirit goes into Harry and being scared shitless when I was a little kid. Like, <laughs> to be fair, I wasn't that little. I was like nine, but still. <laughs> It scared me. It did. I'm impressed how much how well this holds up. Oh, yeah. I was kind of expecting to be like, oh yeah, that's fun, but I was actually pretty entertained the whole time. You know what makes it work though? The music. Well, that's part <laughs> of it. The music, but the adult parts, the casting was so yeah, good. Yeah. The casting was so good, and I think I'm I'm pretty sure from what I understand, 
the casting search for the kids was a very naturalistic process. It wasn't necessarily child actors. It was, let's audition every kid in Britain, essentially. <laughs> let's just find kids who like fit the physical descriptions from the books, and then we'll see what happens. And I think that led to some pretty naturalistic and understandably pretty good performances. Some of the line readings were weird, but like I liked it a lot. Uh, God. No, Alan Rickman's like, opening monologue. I'm impressed with the kids' facial God, expressions and their deliveries are like really good compared to what we're watching now in films. Well, not necessarily. I feel like the child actors are not as good well, now. See, I think it helps when it's media that is meant for kids and that the kids probably have a kind of body uh, context these, too. Whereas they probably you, read the books. Yeah, yeah. Whereas when you see a, like a little kid acting in say a rom com or a Roger yeah, comedy they or don't know. Like they're just like it's around. Good. They're just. They're, they're just doing what they're told to do, where I feel like they had an emotional investment yeah. in this. Like, but 2001, yeah. that would have, there would have been three out. Yeah, as Caban would have been out by then, I think Goblet of Fire would have been out soon. No, Order of the Phoenix is 03. My parents got me that for my elementary school graduation. I remember, yeah, I remember Order of the Phoenix coming out, and it and it was just huge. It was so big at the time. I Here's, here's John, John backstory. I wasn't allowed to read Harry Potter until, like, eighth grade. Because <laughs> <laughs> it was also the devil, I'm guessing. Something like that. Oh, listen, listen. Gosh, sometimes, sometimes people who are raised in pretty religious areas get a little worried and don't understand that your children are smart enough to tell fact from fiction. Though from what, though I do remember seeing all those posts. like, remember when you were 11 and your Hogwarts letter didn't come and it broke your heart? It was a story. It was a story. Well, okay, okay. I was a. I knew it wasn't going to happen, but still, because I was still that young, part of me just like secretly hoped it really would. Yeah, I, I, like I I, I'm not like dumb. Okay. Like I didn't think it was really favorite good. moments from the film. Mhm. 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 I like the chess scene. The ch- the yeah. wizard's chess is. I. I think it's one of the cheesier scenes, though, because it essentially True. is just a montage of kids with wild expressions and pottery breaking. True. I, I mean, that, that, that was exciting. There, there is something about it, though, now that I think about it. So, I'm sure the actors knew, I'm sure everyone knew watching this movie that Ron wasn't going to die. But did yeah. they know that in story? Wasn't Ron really just, like, literally sacrificing himself? I mean, yeah, arguably he was, and I think that lended some emotional poignancy to the scene. But I think my favorite scene was definitely Snape's monologue when he arrives at the potions class. Because oh, Alan Rickman it's is incredible. so over yes. the top. The way he like closes his robe with his arms crossed, he's like, he, put a stopper in death. He and Professor McGonagall have some like fire lines. Oh yeah, absolutely. They, yeah. Like As a kid, you're like, oh my god, they're being so mean to them. But now I'm like, these are the best. McGonagall like, is... Dame Maggie Smith. Yeah, Dame yes. Maggie Smith. She looks so young. She looks the same. They all look, all the adults look about the same, well, except for the ones that are dead. Um, they also look the same. <laughs> they look the same forever in our hearts. The kids are so little. They're all so, so, little, so small. The shot of Harry next to Hagrid when they're walking down the uh, like Diagon Alley or whatever. Also, are we going to talk about how Hagrid just blatantly violated, you know, all the NDAs he presumably signed at Hogwarts? <laughs> <laughs> okay, there so I a think security risk. So, do we think Sorcerer's Stone worked overall as a film? Oh yeah, yes, absolutely, hundred percent. I think 
I think he did a really good job. I my argument is that it might have been better as a mini miniseries. Oh gosh, you've been spoiled by modern media. No, I, well, the film at its core is kind of just a series of vignettes with vague right. serialization, which is like, oh, we're finding a little bit more about the Sorcerer's Stone every week. I think it. I argue that I, I like the completedness of it. I like that it went a full circle, which I feel like a lot of these miniseries kind of leave some open-endedness to the ends of things and can get dragged out for too long and then just fail. That's <laughs> fair. That's totally fair. It, I, I think it worked because uh, you're going back and seeing it again, I'm trying to remember from the book, I think the things they left out were like... Pretty universally the less strong parts. And stuff that wouldn't necessarily mm-hmm. have translated that well right. onto mm-hmm. film. Oh, John, speaking of John Cleese, I love John Cleese's, like, two lines is nearly headless, Nick. But that's just because John Cleese will always make me laugh no matter what he's in. <laughs> I, I just have to recommend everyone watches Self-Defense Against Fruit if they get the chance. Oh, God. It's so good. It's not. <laughs> it's so funny. It's a thing that exists, yes. All right. It is now 11.58 a.m. Onward. To Chamber of Secrets. Absolutely. Get your takes here. Get your hot hot takes. I've got a hot take for you. Hot take for, for some, everybody. Did somebody say hot takes? I think this is the weakest one. Really? Chamber of Secrets, I think it does a good job of table setting and introducing characters who are going to be relevant later on. But I think it, as a movie, it is the weakest. I think it suffers from the fact that it's not as new as the first one. And I, Perhaps. And I think that, I think that the, and this is no offense, but the just slightly post-pubescent performances maybe don't help with that. <laughs> I, I see what you're saying. Everyone's like not comfortable with their changed voice yet. Uh, yeah, I, I thought Ken- Kenneth Branagh was very entertaining, but they didn't play up, up as much of his comic potential as they could yeah. have. Like yeah. Gilderoy Lockhart is a very inherently funny character, uh-huh. but they didn't do nearly enough with him. They did a lot of the beginning, and then it just kind of tapered off. Absolutely, and I thought that like visually, this film didn't necessarily add too much. Well, you see, I say that, but the Slytherin dungeon and the third floor bathroom were like. Just some beautiful examples of set design. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Same with the Forbidden Forest set with uh, Aragog and the Spires and everything. I think, but I think that this one suffered from pacing. I also think bit. that, and, you know, this is a problem of the novel, too. Right. right. The, like I was going to say. It's, it's, it might be more of a novel problem than it is a book. Yeah, yeah I in feel my like, mind, yeah. It inherits the, like, aspect of the novel that, you know, it's not really present day Voldemort doing anything. It's. I don't want to say it's filler, because it's good in its own right. Well, you see, it's set up. It's table setting. Like, because you set up the concept of Voldemort having pieces of him left behind. You set up Lucius Malfoy as a potential antagonist for the True. future. You set up Azkaban, the, the prison. Like, oh, you're, yeah. Like, it's more world building and more table setting, but it feels a little stale as compared to the newness of the first one. True. Do you think she knew, at the time of writing, that the diary would be important later? Oh, yeah, I think no, so. I think she's strategic enough to set up something and say this will be more important later. The only thing I think she lacks a little bit is filling out structure. Yeah, I'm honestly, well, not the, sure. Even looking at the novels, though, because in the Philosopher's Stone, like when Hagrid is Artie. when Hagrid is flying in on that bike, he mentions Sirius Who? Black by name. Who Hagrid? When Hagrid hey. is flying in on the bike, he says he mentions Sirius <laughs> Black by name. I think she had had some idea of how mm-hmm. the diary was a rough idea. Say. Yeah, it's like 
it's interesting coming with like full knowledge of the whole series to see right. the threads that are laid down in this movie that are eventually picked up later on. Like, oh, like I love Fox. I do. I love the Phoenix. Oh, but then I then I guess you could say that's what the entire problem is with the new series is that there aren't books to go off of. They're just kind of winging it. And making certain things more important where there weren't these, like, tracks laid so, down. So, uh, like, modern Game of Thrones. Mm. Mm. <laughs> mm. <laughs> Gee, I wonder why books make such good television and movies. Yeah, it's almost like someone has already tested the plot of these things or something <laughs> like that. <sighs> anyway. A lot of body it. horror in this one. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. The, the boiling flesh, that was... The uh, boiling uh, flesh. that as a kid. Um, uh, the broken arm. The broken, when did they God. get rid of the... And it's clearly just, like, some kind of gel or something that lets the arm <laughs> bend back. The prosthetic bend back. But, oof. Oh, the score in this movie is fun because so much of it is John Williams cribbing from himself. <laughs> you're allowed. The Quidditch chase scene is just the speeder chase on Coruscant. If you're that the famous, you can do whatever you want. The theme that he plays for Lucius Malfoy is just the Darth Sidious theme. The no, makes dun, sense. Dun, 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 no, dun, I, I, won't, I won't hear anything bad about John Williams. John Williams <laughs> is great. I think he was just a little too busy. I think Honestly, that might be I what it is. It. You know, maybe you look back and like, man, nobody paid attention to the Attack of the Clones. I'll just reuse some of this stuff for this, you know. <laughs> little did he know that I paid attention to Attack of the Clones. <laughs> is that a movie? Is <laughs> I watched that movie a lot. Anakin is a terrible flirt. He's just bad in general. But we're not here to talk well, about that. What was the thing that? you pointed out? They they really laid down the chemistry on thick for uh, I mean, Ron and Hermione. I don't know from... if I'm just feeding into it or. Listen, if... the first shot when Hermione comes back from her coma is Ron looking at her, and then Harry just being like, "Oh, I'm here too." You know, it's clear that Ron yeah. is the more important one. It wasn't till later where they said, "Oh, maybe Harry is going to be the one," but like, nope. No. Yeah, like how she won't hug Ron at the end. Yeah, well, it's more like Ron won't hug her. Because Ron offers the handshake because he feels awkward, remember? Why wouldn't they want to have So time? relatable. Children are weird. <laughs> there was no handshake involved. That really reminds me of uh, my secret. <laughs> 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 oh, no! Oh, man. I'll, I'll leave that to the imagination. Jason Isaacs. My space dad? Oh, he's so good in this. I love him. I love him as Lucius Malfoy. Lucius is the Amazing. <laughs> yeah, he's an awful villain. He's he so is. good. Can we talk about how he's just going to, like, literally murder Harry yeah. in yeah. school? We didn't even know. Like, I didn't realize I didn't that he was that literally about to be like, Avada! <laughs> Sometimes they make Harry a little too smart. Like, somehow in, like, 30 seconds he figures out, okay, if I take this burned-ass book, put a sock in it, give it to Duck. To, um... To Lucius. Lucius to give it to Dobby. They set it up, though. He's a clever lad. That's the thing. Harry is good at thinking on his feet. Hermione is good at research. (laughs) Ron is... Ron. (laughs) Together, they're the perfect D&D party. (laughs) (laughs) I know, I keep... God, so much of this does feel like D&D campaigns. Especially Tom's monologue, you know? (laughs) He's like, I had to choose some... (laughs) Oh, what a movie, though. It's it's still fun. I still think it was good. I just think it might be the weakest one. The weakest in a good lot of movies. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Like, we were, we were discussing weakest, this. that's pretty good. We were discussing this. Like, these could have been so bad. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
I know at least two thirds of the table saw the Aragon movie adaptation. Uh, yes, I, I've seen. Yeah. That's what I was thinking of when I was like, it could have, this could have been real. It could bad. have been so. I mean, you mentioned bad. the prequels. Oh yeah, <laughs> well, that was a. That's what J.K. is doing right now. So honestly, prequels are better than Aragon. Like they had things yeah. going on, you could sort of enjoy. Well, them. minus Attack of the Clones. Uh, I don't know what that was. <laughs> Attack of the Clones wants to be a detective movie for the first the 40 worst. minutes. The worst. And then it abandons it completely. <laughs> this one almost played like a detective. This one played like a detective movie in a lot of ways, actually. Oh, also. No, this is a great detective plot, actually. You're right. Absolutely. Up t- up to the very last villain monologue and, like, the multiple red herrings that they follow to, like, find out that it's actually not I happening. I guess. That's probably just an inherently British thing. I don't. Do you, <laughs> you see, we're assuming like, it's. Dr- oh, wait, JK's from Scotland? Although. J- JK is English. English. She's English. English. Are you Br- sure? Scotland is British, to be clear. Oh, no. It's the British Isles. There's England, Scotland, and Wales on, on the Someone wall. Draw me a map. And, uh, so that's Great Britain. And yeah. then you've got Ireland, which is in the British Isles, but do right. not consider themselves British. The Northern Ireland. Is a British property. That's right a, that's more than the scope of this podcast. Mm-hmm. And then all of that is like the size of like maybe the South, not even. Very <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> little. Very very little. Amazing how much of our culture they've dictated. The culture of the world they've dictated. Well, uh, imperialism. Invasions will do it. I guess we're moving on. Are we moving on? No. Oh wait wait wait! I have one more thing to say. Okay. It is two forty p.m. On Saturday, June 8th, and Ford Anglia Potter, you were named after the bravest car I ever knew. Okay, it's 5.33 p.m. on June 8th, 2019, and we have just finished The Prisoner of Azkaban. We took a, about a 20-minute break. It was about 20 minutes in the middle of it to get Chinese food. Um, at Chris from Them's the Facts has joined us. <laughs> he joined us midway through the viewing. And I will say, this is, uh, yeah, this is holding up. This is still my favorite. Camera work, man. The camera. I was going to say the one phrase that I know will make John horny for it is I was going to say the camera sure moved a lot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh no. Well, I mean, because it's Corone. Right. It's Corone. Even at the very is beginning. It, is it Corone? It's Corone. Is that the director of this movie? That is the director of this movie. Oh. The, oh. Uh, yeah. I, you know, I didn't know that. Has he ever done anything else or was this like his one and done? <laughs> well, it's interesting <laughs> that you would say that. <laughs> Yeah, because like after this, he's probably got a, like a promising career. You know, you you would think huh. that, yeah. Probably almost never did anything before this. Almost like he, uh, almost like he won best director. A couple. You'd think he's gonna win a couple best director Oscars, right? Well, maybe. Like, I'm I assume sure. for the next Harry Potter. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that is the the biggest tragedy is that they didn't keep on. Is that Alfonso Cuarón didn't keep making them? Of course, he wouldn't need to because he can do whatever he wants, and I will stand. You have to. You'll have to refresh my memory. Is every Harry Potter a different director? Or did they keep him just for the last two? Um, so Chris Columbus directed the first two. And the last two... I think, like, the last three were David Yates. Okay. And then a different... A dude who I've never heard of but apparently directed Four Weddings and a Funeral directs Goblet of Fire. Okay. Um... Well, that means David Yates did the last four. I don't know... I don't know who directed Order of the Phoenix, actually. I know that David Yates did Half-Blood Prince... And um, Deathly oh, Hallows, part one and two. And both fantastic What else would I know movies. David Yates from? I don't know what else you would know David Yates from, honestly. Alfonso Corona is the only director in this set that I'm like heavily invested in, okay. if I'm being honest. I do have a real hot take. 
What's your hot take? I think at this point in the franchise, Emma Watson is by far the weakest of the three. <gasps> well, that is a hot take. I know that's a very hot take. I think she is though. Emma Watson has a lot of pretty strong emotional. I don't know. She yeah. really shown in the first one. It does seem like she turned it down a little bit for this one. Really, you think mm-hmm. so? I Man, I didn't see the first two, but I remember the second one because that's the one I've seen the most. And I just remember that. I think it. I think she's the weakest, but I think it's a little bit of product of the character because I just think that uh, Rupert Grint is really good at playing the idiot dude. Yeah. And so but... it works for Ron. So he's pulling it off, but, <laughs> but for some reason, there's like something in three that makes Emma feel like she's not hmm. quite doing it. Well, see, here's the thing. She had her own thing that she did with Daniel Radcliffe for the uh, Time Turner sequence. The last movie, we had the Ron and Harry alone sequence because Emma Watson was petrified the entire time. But this one, we had Ron in the hospital wing, so it's Harry and Hermione going off and making sure this closed time loop actually works. Well, maybe they just don't. Uh, Emma and uh, what's his face? Daniel don't have as much chemistry. Oh! At least at this point. Yeah, I don't know. yeah no, I agree. I think I think you yeah. raise a good point though. You I need wouldn't, friend I wouldn't say so later on. Later on, Wait, like oh that no, that last one they there's, there's it solo out. sequences in the Deathly Hallows movies so good, like oh no, but I this is my favorite, and you can tell from the beginning because even the intro sequence is more creative than anything else because it starts with the uh, oh that intro sequence is so brilliant. We watched it twice. We did watch it <laughs> twice. Bethany was out of the room, and I made her watch it again. There were a few scenes where I like rewound so Bethany could see the specifics. Not to imply it wasn't worth it. But. Oh yeah, but I mean, uh, the uh, where he's uh, testing out Luos Maximo under his bed, and the camera is slow zooming in on him, and then it stops when Uncle Vernon opens the door, but it's like perfectly framed, and there's like not a, it cuts to him under the blanket, but most of the time, and this is what I really like about Alfonso Cuarón. He doesn't cut very much. He will use cuts to uh, when action really escalates. But a lot of shots will be longer takes. I think the best example of this is probably when they're in the uh, Leaky Cauldron and um, Mr. Weasley takes Harry aside to talk to him. You've got a lot of like diegetic noise going on in the background and the camera is moving around them rather than doing shot reverse shot to track their conversation. And something that happened in this movie is... Well, something that happened in this movie that is kind of a signature of Alfonso Cuaron is that the frame is very alive, even outside of the main action on screen. There's always something moving in the background. It's it's never, un- unless, for atmospheric reasons, there isn't. But, like, he, it feels so alive. Also, Stan Shunpike, the, uh, the, the conductor on the night bus, yeah. one of our, from one of uh, Bethany's and my favorite movies, he plays uh, Hollum in Master and Commander. The Jonah. Bethany and I were like, this guy seems really familiar. Looked up his IMDb. There we go. Internet. Wow. Internet. Wow. Yeah. I, I like this movie a lot. And uh, so, like, young me never would have noticed it all, but I think they did what they needed to do instead of, in terms of making it different than the other two. Because, like, mm-hmm. we, were, we were saying before, Chamber of Secrets was two hours and 40 minutes of, you know... That movie drags so yeah. much. It's, it's two hours and 40 minutes of table setting. Mm-hmm. This one, it's constantly going. It just goes and goes and goes. Like, when, like Even the moments where it takes to like contemplate, things are still happening. People are still moving. It's not people just talking in dusty and dreary halls, you know? <laughs> I think this, 
I, I'm going to have to watch the other ones again, but this is where I think it just turns into a whole different series. You know, like the books with Goblet of Fire just goes hard all of a sudden. Mm-hmm. I think like, it's just it like, an, here, I think. like the hard like age division too. It's like, oh, they're finally old enough to uh, have more serious adventures and mm-hmm. things happen in their lives. Absolutely. I think, and I think the uh, casting in this one helped with that. Gary Oldman, David Thewlis, Timothy Spall, like as... As the Marauders, like, oh, so good. The Marauders map is such a fun element mm-hmm. as well, which I noticed Newt Scamander is on that map, so I guess Eddie Redmayne was at Hogwarts for a little while. <laughs> okay. All right. Does anyone have any more takes before we, uh, well, put a name in the Goblin of Fire? Well, um, first, would you like Throw to go... Throw it in the fire! Would you like to go to the concession stand? Destroy yeah. it! <laughs> what now? <laughs> Figure we should build an ad rank there. Throw it in the fire. God, Whoever dude. designed the end credit scene, I hope they never worked on a movie ever again. It is. It's so bad. Eight thirteen p.m. on June eighth, two thousand nineteen. We're and running we just, out of steam here. We just finished Goblet of Fire. Well, I thought I was running out of steam. Oh, and you got rejuvenated. And then the last twenty minutes. The happened. last like thirty minutes of the the core de force that is the last twenty minutes <laughs> of, of Goblet of, of Fire. Fire. Yeah. So like the opening is just disappointing kind of directly after azkaban it's definitely disappointing it's like all that was like really pretty and nice and well coordinated and executed and like done in frame and on film about the last movie like disappears in this one (laughs) you know like mm, there are more cuts than there need to be it's like it is not as artfully made that said i think the story is very well executed i don't know yeah, this has always been my favorite, like, content book, I think, because of the whole wizard tournament and the different, like, worlds that they bring into this. Oh, absolutely, kind no. The international wizards, all I love around, it. yeah, with the Quidditch match, but also the people that come to the school. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, the people who are at the Quidditch match, too, when, you, when mm-hmm. they're yeah. going through all... Mm-hmm. There's all this, like, expanded world building that happens yeah. in the front half of the book. That isn't reflected in this because they just kind of skip it around as an excuse to get to get to the Death Eater, you know, to get to the Death Eaters. There's too many cool parts in the book that they just kind of like, and it happened, and now we're at the next part. And that, and the problem is, even if taking this outside of an adaptation of the book, there are just too many cuts where we're meant to fill it in with our own knowledge from the book is the problem. So, like taking it as, as a film by itself, I don't know if it works that well if you haven't read the books. I think that there is a lot of stuff that is just quick cut, smash cut. Yeah, you know how a Harry Potter film works. So mm. expect yourself to fill fill it in the gaps yourself. That's you one know? of my biggest pet peeves, though, in like media. I hate when they expect you to have like a huge background knowledge. Which is why we hate the MCU. Yeah, that, that's why <laughs> I was so upset about Marvel for a long time. Until the newer ones came out. A hot take. <laughs> oh, I've already expressed this hot take many times. Uh, okay. I, I think the one that's the most confusing, if you haven't read the book, is the one where they're doing the dragon thing. And they're like, go, Cedric. And then the next cut is, all right, Harry, it's your turn. And yeah. you're like, did three other people go? What happened? Yeah, Maybe and they just cut through all of the you other You could have done like a quick four-minute montage of it, and it would have mm-hmm. been fine. Absolutely. Same yeah, with the Quidditch thing. You could have done like a four minute montage. I like, feel like there's a lot more telling than showing in this movie. And I feel like it suffers because of it. Also, Until. The, well, I was going to say also Dumbledore breaks character really bad, but that's fine. Oh, well, yeah. Just put it down the goblin fire! 
What was, what was that? Did you put your name in the Goblet of Fire? I don't know. I always am. This is like one circle drink I'm on just because in the book it clearly says like it was said calmly. And yeah. This oh, movie, he like absolute, flips it. He just <laughs> absolutely flips his shit. Um, I think the casting is good though. I think Brendan Gleeson as Mad Eye Moody, well, or Barney Crouch as Mad Eye Moody. Gary Oldman continues to be a chameleon. He plays a fireplace. <laughs> Man can play anything. Honestly, if I can say one thing, I would have cut the Rita Skeeter plot. Really? I don't think it's essential. It's kind of essential in the book, though, isn't it? But it's not essential. She's important later, though. She's important later on, and it sh- it kind of shows how Harry's like dealing with celebrity a little bit. But I think it's less important to the arc of the movie. I think the uh, main thing that it serves as is a way to drive a wedge in Harry's relationship with his friends, essentially. But I think that's already just pretty solidly done by the circumstances of the movie itself. Well, it's also meant as like, comic relief a I, little bit. But... I know it's meant as comic relief. I just don't think it's that effective. I don't know. I don't. I never really liked the Rita, Rita Skeeter stuff. Oof. That's a that's a very hot take right there. Rita Skeeter. I hardly know her. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you know what? It just made me miss my friends from Prince of Azkaban. You just mean Corona. <laughs> I just mean what? You just miss Corona. <laughs> I don't just miss Corona. I miss David Thewlis too. I miss David Thewlis. Fair enough. A lot. I miss more Gary Oldman happening. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you, you know what's in the next movie. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Ready to get sad, y'all? I guess. <laughs> it is 8.17 p.m. And we're about to start Order of the Phoenix. We back, baby! Oh, man. Uh, so it's been about 12 hours of Potter now. <laughs> For me and Bethany, at least. Chris, how many hours of Potter has it been for you? I got here at... What time did I get here? <laughs> it was like 3 or 4, right? It's 10.30pm, so you've had about... It's about 8. Seven oh eight. my god. Yeah, close. Uh, 7 or 8 hours of Potter. We just finished um, Order of the Phoenix, which pleasantly surprised me after um, after Goblet of Fire, honestly. Yeah, it's pretty good. I thought the pacing was a lot better than Goblet of Fire. Are we too tired to have opinions? <laughs> no, right now? I'm thinking it's not as backloaded. It's it's, it's yeah. back to like Azkaban where stuff is at least happening. Yeah, it's like stuff happens throughout it. It's well paced, really well done for just how thick that book was. You know, teachers union commentary. Yeah. Uh-huh. Oh god, the horrible kitten noises. <sighs> and yeah. I like cats, but those noises were awful. Really, what lesson did we all learn watching this movie? We must not tell lies. Well, no. Racism's bad. <laughs> I don't know if y'all knew that going into this movie. But I'm definitely taking that away from it. Mm-hmm. You just wait till you get to the next ones. I think they expand on that even more. That racism is, in fact... Bad. Bad. Yes. Uh, this is kind of PTSD, the movie, though. Like, it's Harry Potter and the continued trauma. They just keep finding casual ways to mention by, like... You saw uh, people die, right? Yeah, exactly. You saw someone die. Um, you can see these horses because you saw that one dude die. Cedric? Yeah? Okay. Yeah, Just making sure. Exactly. Also, we're going to continue to traumatize you. You're <laughs> going to have a lot of anger in response to that trauma, and the people who you're reaching out to aren't going to respond back to you. Hey, uh, I'm sorry about your godfather. Yeah. Uh, also, your godfather is going to call you your dead dad's name right before, before he, he dies. Yeah. <laughs> 
Um, what a way to lose your dog father. Oh, God. It's good, though. Like, it's solidly entertaining. And those last 30 minutes, they, they like, shows up. It, it, like, really reimagines everything we knew about, like, It really reimagines everything we thought we knew about magical combat, which I appreciate a lot. Like, this one really sort of gets into the tactical and practical. This one really visually sort of starts to get into, like, the tactical and practical applications of magic in the Harry Potter world. Like, largely with the Dumbledore's army stuff, which has... One of my favorite shots in the movie, which is the tracking shot of Harry going through and helping everybody while he's giving them a speech about believing them in themselves. Mm -hmm. um, it has a great score, too, by Nicholas Hooper. Yeah. Um, well, I also like that Harry's character never says, yeah, I did this all alone. He's like, no, I've had help literally every step of the way. Yeah, they're trying to build him up as, like, a chosen one, almost. But, mm -hmm. but he's like, no, not really. Which is kind of funny because they kind of lean into that chosen one thing in the next film, too. <laughs> Beanie's also really tired. Yeah, it's. I think this is a pretty good one. I this this is. They're all pretty good ones. This is one of the pretty good ones. This though. one does make me realize when you were talking about the last fight scene or magic scene where like the crazy magic's going on, like yeah. how my biggest complaint with the new Fantastic Beasts one is how much power creep there is in magic in that movie in those movies. Really. That's what I... I don't know. If you go back and watch it, maybe you'll agree with me. But on, like, the two Fantastic Beasts one, stuff like this happens in, like, every fight people have. I get that point. Because the point, the point of the fight between Dumbledore and... Um, Voldemort is Voldemort. supposed to be, like, this is, like... These are the two most powerful wizards in existence, essentially. Mm -hmm. This is what they can do. Look at, look at their magical delights. You yeah. Know. <laughs> and, and the problem I had in Beasts is, like, stuff like this is happening from, like, every character. Well, it's to a point. mostly happening from Grimble. <laughs> Sorry, Grimble. Okay. <laughs> no, I don't know. I have to go back and watch it again, but I definitely remember like uh, Scamander doing some stuff on like almost this level, and just being like, "Why?" I think I th the one scene that I'm thinking of is him and a bunch of other people working to contain stuff on that level, mm -hmm. working that to counter it, which is different one. than actually casting it. Yeah. That one's one. I don't know. I just got the sense from that one that like there was a weird power creep. Maybe Americans are just better at magic. Oh, that is a spicy take. But maybe it's true. Maybe it's true. Oh, how about how about Luna Lovegood though? I love Luna Lovegood. She's good. She's good. She love good. Oh, never mind. Helena Bonham Carter. Yes. Helena. My space dad. Oh, Jason Isaacs. Lucius. He just steps it up every movie. Yeah. Same with Alan Rickman, honestly. Oh my like, god, yeah. The poise and precision that he brings to those. Like, drag queen. I, I did say this earlier. It almost feels like he maybe studied drag queens or something for this performance. Because he's got that kind of level. Very commanding. Yeah, very commanding. You know what Alan Rickman's drag queen name is? What is it? Alan Dickman. You're Re welcome. Rest in peace, Alan Rickman. <laughs> Sorry about that, my man. <laughs> uh, um, Daniel Radcliffe, though, I think is really the standout of this movie. Like, what he... He goes off. Like, when he's dealing with all the trauma, like, uh, the, all the scenes of him yelling and stuff like that, like, 
He was really, really good in this movie. He's just a good yeller. <laughs> That's true, but I think he's bringing a lot of like emotion and bringing a lot of impact to this. And he's still able to play it like a teenager. Yeah. You know? Like, it's, it's believable. As believable as a magical world is, you know? Yeah. <laughs> are we really tired because it's 1030 and are we just like running out of opinions right now? I think we've just seen so many that it's just like, oh, yes, this is another piece of this. It doesn't. And I think that kind of speaks to how this one doesn't really stand too far out, but it's still a good piece. The last three, from what I remember, are a big tone shift. Yeah. 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 Well, I mean, this is the. The tone shift starts at the end of Prisoner of Azkaban. It's also worth noting that this one has a very different opening sequence than all the rest because it opens with the Warner Brothers on that cloudy sky, that dark, stormy sky that sort of comes to mark the latter half of the franchise. But then it cuts to a bright, sunny day in Little Whinging, you know? And it's contrasting, you know, sort of Harry's internal mood with everything that's going on outside of that. And I think that that's pretty smart. Then this is the first of the last... Well, the first David Yates directed one, but he directs the last four, and I think it was smart to have so the same... So it is the last four? Yeah. Okay. I think it was smart to have the same director on all these all the way through the end. Mm-hmm. Now, if only maybe David Yates hadn't been directing the Fantastic Beasts movies, we would have seen something a little better. But... I liked the first Fantastic Beasts. I liked it too. The second one was garbage. Yeah. Yeah. That was complete garbage. It, it was a mess. <sighs> Do we need to pause the marathon? Are we ready for a break from Harry Potter for the night to continue tomorrow on Sunday? If I'm being honest, ABC Family never played them all in one day when they were doing Harry Potter weekends. That's actually true. I didn't think about that till now. Mm-hmm. How, how they they always they always broke them up a little bit. It was like two a day. The last time I saw <laughs> the Harry Potter marathon happening, it was Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Yeah. And they did, because there's eight, so they were doing like, I don't know. I three, think, three, two, maybe? I think it was the Deathly Hallows were their own day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I think it is time to break and reconvene tomorrow and continue with the last... There will be coffee and donuts when you come in in the morning. With the last three Harry Potter films. It is 10.40 p.m. (laughs) on June 8th, 2019, and I need a fucking break. Hi, this is Jesse. And this is Griffin. And we're Avocado Toast. We're a news and social commentary podcast by young people for young people. Have you ever wanted to know more about climate change? The social conflict in Venezuela? Or maybe why Trump sucks so bad? Then we might be the podcast for you. New episodes every week. You can find us on iTunes or Google Play. Just go and search Avocado Toast. Check us out. Eat the rich. We are... Back, we return. We are here because we are here. It is uh, one thirty-eight p.m. on June 9th, two thousand nineteen. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we just watched the Half Blood Prince, Harry Potter and the and the Half Blood Prince, which is a movie that I think I remember with rose-colored glasses. I guess so. Because I was like, yes, this is a whimsical film. It's full of whimsy and wonderful, yeah. fun moments. We just kind of let him say that, and I was just kind of sitting there like, okay, sure. I remember it with a lesser grayscale, so. Well, but- it did have moments of whims- whimsy. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. had some big the, the spider funeral, wonderful. What? Well, it's it's said, but also funny. Yeah, exactly. Well, you see, and that's, that's what they do is... 
there's they find some levity in this, which is a very grief-driven movie, I think, because Harry's, you know, mourning Sirius, Harry's mourning the death of his childhood, essentially, throughout the movie, which, you know, different people embrace in different ways. This is the movie where people really start to couple up, you know? Yeah. Well, it makes sense. They've only been setting it up for... Uh, for five movies. I guess if you're in this tiny castle with only these choices. Mm-hmm. A lot of implied sex happening in this movie. What? How? This room's taken, Wan Wan. I think they were just gonna make out. They were high schoolers. I don't know what happened this, to this, your high a lot of A lot of this movie was teens being teens. What's better than this? I just, I just don't think I ever was a teen. I, I think I skipped it. I, I thought that... David, we complain about washed out color palettes a lot in movies lately, like Mm -hmm. the public does. Mm -hmm. I thought David Yates actually pretty effectively took out more and more colors as the movie progressed. Ah. Because I think the movie started a little bit brighter. Mm -hmm. Because you know, that sub, that, uh, 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 excuse me, underground scene, not subway, (laughs) (laughs) uh, was very good and pretty colorful. I really liked the scene with Slughorn. And like, that's the thing. David Yates has a great visual sense for the effects that it takes to make magic look like magic, I think. Mm-hmm. Like, the uh, house cleaning scene. House cleaning? When, they, uh, when uh, Slughorn has made the house look like it's been attacked. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's excellent. There's, it's overall a very pretty movie, and I think mm-hmm. the choice to go almost full grayscale when they're looking for the Horcrux in yeah. the uh, final is... and the river sticks. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, there, I don't. I didn't find the camera that entertaining in this movie. I thought, I thought the the production design was great. I just don't know how much they did with it. Well, I think they're trying to give you like a, a looking from the outside looking in kind of feel. Not mm-hmm. really like you were there. Exactly. Kind of like you're very much observing a story. And I think even some choice. There were some production design choices that I didn't like either because they abandoned the really cool looking pensive well. For a yeah, little... it looks like a bird bath now. Yeah. I'm like, what? what is that? It's like, what are you doing? Also, I still don't like the idea of the pensive. Well, you just... you just Please put your face in my water and snort these memories. <laughs> <laughs> like, there's gotta be a better way to do this. Oh, maybe like a hookah. What if you, like, put it in there and you, like, inhale it and then, it, like... You're... You know what you're describing hmm. now, right? You're describing the Alice skull... Wonderland. No, you're describing the skull vaping scene skull from, va- <laughs> from Crimes of Grimblebob. <laughs> But not in a skull. <laughs> he he it, it, he uses a hookah tube and everything. <laughs> well, you know what? Maybe it could have been good if they had thought it out a little better. I mean, it was David Yates, so I think that's the problem. David Yates made these movies like I don't want to say bland visually because they weren't entirely bland mm-hmm. visually. If anything. It really made the moments of magic pop. But I think that he starts to, as he makes more of these movies, rely on using magic for the visual interest more than anything else. Like, Because there are a lot of just really great moments in this movie. The Weasley's Wizard Wheezes, like the, the entire store scene with all the activity oh, going on. Oh yeah, that was cool. That, that made me think of Corona a little bit. I miss him. Still. Well, this, the unfortunate thing about what I've been thinking about lately as I, we finish up these movies is like, wait a minute, these people, they go to school for like seven years or whatever, and then they get to have a job. They just go straight into being like an or or like a whatever. Mm-hmm. 
but that's not how life works for us here. <laughs> I mean, you can go straight into a job, but... Well, I mean, the thing is, they're actually preparing, preparing them. Yeah, which I think is how a lot of European schools actually do work. Mm-hmm. No, how you've, like, already chosen yeah. your concentration stuff, which is good and bad. There are a lot of different w- ways well, to talk about fixing the education system. I think they don't give, in the U.S., enough opportunity to delve into things that you're interested in at a young age. But anyway, that's a whole other... I've just been thinking that's about it. We can expand thing. on that later. Okay. I have a band practice today, so we're going to take another long break. But then we're going to come back and we're going to power through we'll the... Finish it up. The Deathly Hallows, both of them, tonight. going to so, die in the Hallows. Oh, Yeah. A one weekend Harry Potter marathon. We're really, really doing it. <laughs> We're really doing it. We're almost it. there. <laughs> it's 8.56 p.m. on June 9th, 2019. Nice. We just finished Deathly Hallows Part 1. And I have emotions now. Film was a mistake. <laughs> I regret everything. I didn't cry at all for the first six movies, and then a fucking bird dies, and I cried. Not just a bird. Uh, she was trying... She's been there from the beginning. She was trying to protect him. Which is better than the book version, where she's literally trapped in a cage and falls to her death or something like that. I think it would make a lot more sense for Harry to have let her go, honestly. Uh, it's I mean, it's fair. like, uh, what do you call it? representative more representative of his character i feel like his no. movie character is a lot more reasonable than his book one of character. those good words that's like it's like a thing it's a symbol of his loss of innocence i maybe doesn't feel right though i think it's just like a closing of a chapter like you are no longer like a hogwarts boy like, you're not safe But not anymore. like that. That doesn't sound good either. No, I get what you mean, though. I'm trying to make my brain work. It's been real hard. It's... We, we've, we've toughed it out. We deserve gold stars. Um, God, for David... For doing this to ourselves. David Yates knows how to shoot a landscape, though, don't he? Like... Yeah. I, I would say this is the... The best, like... Like, this is good. The location shooting yeah, is very good. All the, all the forest stuff, all mm-hmm. the... Anytime there's a cottage in the middle of everything surrounded by just fields, I love it. The mountains, they look good. The snow. I love the in London stuff too, even for just like a a minute when they were uh, in the cafe. Like the action works really well in this. And this has more action than any of the previous Harry Potter movies. Mm Mm-hmm. Like. But it's still entertaining. You really do start to see like that David Yates aesthetic that comes to define Fantastic Beasts later on, just kind of dominant, though. Especially in the scene where he's getting ready to destroy the Horcrux. David Yates is like, what is magic? Is it black clouds just flo- and, uh, of smoke just floating up around people? I think that's what magic is. <laughs> <laughs> There's no vaping, though. No vaping. No vaping in this one. Though we do see young Johnny Depp and old Johnny Depp, in that we see young and old Grimblebum in this. <laughs> I don't think those are pictures of him, though. No, no, they are. They're not pictures of no. Johnny Depp, but they're they are Grindle Grindle Oh, because um, it's uh, Toby from Sweeney Todd. Who is Toby? Was the character Wait, no, Toby? I, yeah, Toby, the guy from the the guy who's in love with Joanna, the sailor that sails with him. Oh, 
Yeah, I feel you, Joanna. I feel yeah, yeah. you. He's like. Do you think the dwarves can hide you? I'm already. Is he anything this else? This is fair use. He's in Twilight. He plays one of the Volturi. Oh. <laughs> now I want to watch Sweeney Todd, though. That's a pretty film. Yeah. Which has young and old Grindelwald in it. Yeah. And also. Why Snape. are you saying old and young? And also. Well, no, because Johnny Depp is in it and Topius in it. Oh, because he's. And young. then you've also got Helena Bonham Carter. You got. You got Timothy Spall, you got um, Alan Rickman, so you know, just a lot of Harry Alan Potter. Alan Rickman's in Sweeney Todd? He plays the judge. Oh my pretty god. Pretty woman. We clearly need to watch this the again. gardens, pretty woman. Is that you? Da- that is, no, that's me touching the clamp oh. of the mic. <laughs> I thought she was singing. We're going crazy. Basically. This has been... 17 hours of Harry Potter now. But I did have a mo- moment when, uh, what's the crazy, Bellatrix, is that her name? Bellatrix, yeah. When she threw that knife, well, even before that, they're doing some good, like, wand ballet uh-huh. stuff. Oh, absolutely. Like, this one really nails down the fighting with wands. Yeah, it shows, like, because you, you really just see, like, what magic does. You don't see, like, the frenetic action of mm-hmm. magical combat you see it a little bit in order of the phoenix at the very end but a lot of that is just the uh wizards flying in their like apparition forms where they're where they're just in like their full magical forms battling each other in the air this one you see like close quarters battles cqb if you will um and uh mm-hmm. yeah thank you the expanse oh, for giving gosh. me that terminology <sighs> the thing is we're about to watch the last movie in the series, and it's not even going to be the last thing we watch tonight. <laughs> because Big Little Eyes comes back tonight. <laughs> and apparently Meryl is great in it. That's what I'm seeing from oh. all the reviews, which isn't a surprise, because no. it's fucking Meryl. We are ready. Um, and dedicated. The most in- visually interesting part to me, like as far as like cinematography goes, was absolutely the woods chase between the Snatchers and the trio. Mm-hmm. It- <laughs> but it kind of... It's kind of been ruined because it makes you think of the Avengers thing and how they wrote, like, five articles on how they blew stuff up in the woods. And I'm like, this is the same thing, but in Harry Potter? Well, yeah, but I mean, it's just them. But did they did they establish the woods chase scene? But no, that happens in Twilight, too, right? Yeah. It's just like in my head there's a montage now of all the... All the different... Wood chasing. <laughs> well, it's movies. just... But this one specifically is shot... I don't know if this is a ver- is an English tendency, but it's shot a lot like Guy Ritchie shoots chase scenes. Very, like, shaky camera, blurry background, focused in, to really show the frenetic energy. I think David Yates has some, like, really good ideas mm-hmm. for this, and he's just, like, on the verge of making them really work. But can I say what also really works? What? The writing. And not just because of the books. Like, whoever is, like, Whoever adapted this for film. it, Yeah. Yeah. Everything oh. is said at the right time, too, the, I feel like. Yeah, the art, the, the dialogue is really artful, too. I mean, you you think, okay, these kids have had lots of practice playing these characters, so of course they're going to be good actors. But, like, we could have just just as easily had some real shit actors, you oh, know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, like, it cuts the parts that maybe dragged on in the books a little bit, or, like, mm-hmm. not so much cuts as compresses them. It no, makes them... The, the whole cast was in it for the long haul in this one, and that's why they basically all retired afterwards. <laughs> They had too much. <laughs> well, I mean, they had all those residuals. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm, the you know? bank. 
would love that. Can someone cast me in a decade-long series so that I can just never have to work again? I, I thought I liked this one a lot. Honestly, this might be... This is probably like tied with Order of the Phoenix for me. And like the tiers... Like I've got a like tier, physical I've got a, tiers I've got like, like a tier system of like fine good fair it's it's like I've got I've got I've got I wouldn't tiers say of movies any honestly. of these Harry Potter movies are just fair they're at least all good Uh no Chamber of Secrets is fair What None of them quite no. dip into poor No it's like it goes I, I, it goes fair uh it goes poor fair good and great Maybe we should have been rating these I mean, well, I I just think it's hard to rate them yeah, we on a five-star scale. Yeah, we couldn't like, have done it at the beginning either because absolutely. then it would have been skewed. No, but I mean, unless anything changes, this is my tier rating. You've got poor, fair, good, and great. Poor, uh, poor nothing in poor because they all like function very well mm-hmm. and they're good and engaging stories. Fair is Chamber of Secrets. Good is Sorcerer. I feel like that's unfair, though. I feel like there needs to be a... There needs to be a fifth tier, almost. Good, because good is like... I put Sorcerer's Stone and Goblet of Fire on the good level. And then mm-hmm. on the great level, I put Order of the Phoenix. You know what? I'm going to put Half-Blood Prince on the good level as well. Because it has those engaging moments, but it doesn't shine for me as much as maybe it once did. Um, and then I'm going to put Order of the Phoenix, Deathly Hallows Part 1, and probably Deathly Hallows Part 2 on the great tier. And then far above all of that is the Quaron tier. <laughs> oh my goodness. I still solidly believe none of none of them conveyed the experiences of the characters and the feelings and really put you into the wizarding world quite like Alfonso Quaron <laughs> did. F- frankly, it's a, it's a shame that he declined doing Fantastic Beasts, but I fully understand why he did because he is making just the greatest art. You oh. know what? I didn't see realize... Roma on Netflix. Everybody. Oh man! What I didn't realize is that they like barely spent any time in Hogsmeade, or Hogsmeade, or whatever it's called. Hogsmeade. Yeah. In what? In in the movie. In Prisoner of Azkaban. Yeah. Well, they, there's like a, a little decent bit. But like, I feel like in the book that it, it's a way more big of a deal. Well, in the book, it's way more big of a deal because permission slips. Yeah, it, it, it rec- represents Harry feeling like he's separate from everybody yeah, else. Yeah, yeah. But then the Marauders map allows him to have that experience. I I feel like it it's sacrificed a little bit for the plot of everything else. I feel but, like some of these school years could have been two parters too. I this bet- is why this is why my argument that these would have worked better as a TV show. No. I mean, if it had the right budget, it would have worked better as a TV yeah. show, in my opinion. But it, this one has me longing for the school. I also, honestly. I also did did cry for Dobby, like that's the. I truth. think when I was reading them all those years ago, I think that's the only part that ever made me like tear up or like almost yeah. cry. Oh, Hedwig! Hedwig made me real sad. Oh, Hedwig! In this, because it's right as she's trying yeah. to save him, it destroys well, yeah. me. We ready for the next one? We about to do it. Mm-hmm. Just want to acknowledge myself and, you know, you. Yeah, I think I'm very proud <laughs> Since, of us. Yeah. Because we bought these the week Alan Rickman died, and we yeah. still haven't watched all of them. It was definitely an impulse buy <laughs> that I think I only ever, we only ever watched like one or two of them. Oh, we, I, we got all the way up through Prisoner of Azkaban. I just don't, I just, That's as usual. That's not really very far. As usual, 
after Prisoner of Azkaban, it's hard for me to keep going because I just know they're going to go downhill. Yeah, I think if we ever do this again, it'll be like one per weekend, <laughs> maybe two per weekend. Yeah, this has been an experience. This is an endeavor. Ugh. Well, I've got the movie queued up. I'm going to make Lights, us some cocktails. Camera. Oh, we want to talk about the cocktail that we did. Cocktails we did that were Harry Potter themed? Yes. Yes, we did a Wolfsbane potion, which is a bourbon coke, but also with some Fernabranca in there, which is... Which a, is um, our new favorite liquor. An Italian liqueur. It's very tasty. Uh, do like. Very, like, herbal. Almost. Yeah, but also, like, not not that... Not in a cloying way that most, like, uh... Sweet liqueurs star, are. like, and he's kind of... It has a little bit of licorice kind of taste, yeah. but not much. Yeah. Bethany hates, like, anise liquors. I hate it. Which is a problem because the national like liquor, the national liquor of Colombia is like Aguardiente, it's which bad. is a Don't star anise it. liquor. I love it. It's so easy to shoot. Shout out to Pisco, great drink. Shout out to Aguardiente. Leave it alone. <laughs> oh, and then also, you kind of made the so. There's another famous like Harry Potter cocktail that makes the rounds on the internet called you know the Polyjuice Potion. Yeah, and you know there is. I feel like. There is no canon for what the polyjuice potion is. You just need is. something green. I just in know there. it wanted. I want it to be green, so I use some matcha powder, um, some gin, and some elderflower liqueur. Which ooh, that's that's some tasty stuff. Didn't quite work the first time around because no. it was just Needed that and sparkling some water. Sour. Hit it with a little bit of lemonade, and that was perfect. So uh, go go try those at home next time you guys have your own Harry Potter marathons. Don't do it. What? I love these movies. No, get some get some friends. That really helps. <laughs> actually, actually, yeah. I want to shout out to all of our friends, those who are on, who are recorded, and those who aren't, mm-hmm. who have like come in and done shifts with us, essentially, yeah. <laughs> helping us get through this, helping us keep our sanity. Shout out to the dogs. Yeah, They're dogs wonderful. have been very good. Uh, this is going to be our longest episode ever. It's nine oh nine p.m. We'll be back in a couple of hours. With Deathly Hallows Part 2. It's 11.17pm on June 9th, 2019. We fucking did it. Our journey has ended. Yes. And all was well. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Let's talk about the epilogue. I know a lot of people complain about the epilogue. Because it's, you know... A baby boomer fantasy, essentially. Yeah. It's, you know, everybody's got 2.5 kids. I think it makes sense for the characters. Yeah. No, I remember reading it and being upset about it. Really? Yeah, for sure. Because I was like, well, I think I was more upset about the ships than the fact that they had children that were going to Hogwarts. Did you, were you, you, we haven't really gotten into ships that much. Were you Hermione and Harry girl? I don't know about that, but I just thought they could meet some other cool people in the wizarding world. It feels very, uh... It feels very, guess what, the first person you fall in love with is who you're gonna be with for the rest of your life. Yeah, which is not usually... Not necessarily realistic. No. Listen, I was always a Hermione Luna guy myself. Not when you read the books. Not when I read the books, but once the world of fan fiction was open to me. Uh, Shout out to Amanda, who had uh, some very good fan fiction, Harry Potter fan fiction on AO3. Just wonderful, wonderful stuff. Also, listen, we all know that Drary is what is what Draco wishes had happened. Who? Drary. What is Drary? Draco and oh. Harry. <laughs> <laughs> when they were writing that broomstick out of Hogwarts, uh God, that was that was so good. This this movie tugs at the emotions very well. It has a lot of really good character moments. 
I wish we had had more of Lupin and Tonks, though. Now, I feel like they do kind of just, like, skirt over the deaths a little bit. Well, That's how I felt this time around. I was like, oh, you just kind of see it, and you're like, I will say, gone. these deaths affected me so much when I first saw it in the theaters. And this time, Hedwig's death affected me much more than literally any of the human deaths. You know, I think I think it's maybe because I forgot how exactly Hedwig dies. Yeah. This actually might be the only movie I'd seen in the theater. Really? Yeah, I mean, when they first started, I was we weren't huge movie people. And especially, like, probably the only one that I saw close to when it actually, like, released in the theater. If, you know, I might have seen another one in the theater. But. I think I saw, I think I only saw the Deathly Hallows, both of them in the theaters. Um, as a movie, it's very compressed, largely out of necessity. You know, they've got to get so much into these two hours. Um, so as a result, the pacing is just heart heartbeat fast. You know, it's just that, 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 that. Oh I mean, it takes place really over just like two days, I'm pretty sure. We were already in college when this came out. Uh, so this was this came out the summer before I started college. How so I was it? at that summer program oh at the college. Gosh. So I hadn't technically started class, classes, but I was there. This makes me I so remember old. being pissed because I was doing homework for the summer program, and I decided that instead of going to the midnight premiere, I would do my homework. And I was really mad that night, so I did a closet Remus Lupin cosplay just as uh, for doing my homework, just so a, I could take a picture a, and post a it on Tumblr. Clo- a closet. Cosplay? A closet cosplay is what you call it when you just take stuff that's in your clo- closet. I think you just made for that cosplay. Up. No, I didn't. Closet thing? cosplay is a thing, and I had a brown blazer, khaki pants, and a shirt and a tie, and I was like, "Well, I'm Remus Lupin now." Wow. <laughs> Listen, Remus Lupin was always my favorite character. Like, wait, they had summer for your? They had homework for your summer program? Yeah, it was stupid. I'm you didn't even get anything for it, right? No, I didn't. <laughs> it was really just a test run on a lot of the classes. Yeah. So it was like, this is what it's going to look like. So I appreciated that, that's for sure. Um, and it was nice to like have a low-stakes environment to really get into. <sighs> yeah, it's 11.22 now. Bethany is <laughs> sleepy. We've still got more stuff to watch tonight. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's rank the movies. Let's rank the movies. Rank the movies. Yes. I can't even remember all the movies. Number one, Prisoner of Azkaban. Oh my god, yeah, I know. Wait, actually, no, I'm going to go bottom up. We, we know what my number one is. Bottom up. I know, you think number two is the bottom. Well, no, no, no. Number eight is Chamber of Secrets. Number seven is... You see, the thing is, they all kind of come together in a pack in the middle. Like, they're all pretty good movies. I don't think I would give any of these movies lower than a three-star rating on a, like, three out of five. So, like, understand that in this ranking, they're pretty close together. So, with that being stated, number seven, Half-Blood Prince. Really? Yeah. Number six, Goblet of Fire. Number five, Sorcerer's Stone. Number four, Order of the Phoenix. Number three, Deathly Hallows Part One. Number two, Deathly Hallows Part Two. Number one, Prisoner of Azkaban. For sure. Also, I think Deathly Hallows Part One and Part Two could pretty easily be switched there. 
But I think that that's where David Yates really comes into like his stylistic best. Um, no, you know what? You know what I'm gonna say. Number four, Deathly Hallows Part One. Number three, Order of the Phoenix. Number two, Deathly Hallows Part Two. And number one, Prisoner of Azkaban. What, what's your ranking? Mm-hmm. Is your ranking too tired to rank? Yes. Okay, well, which one is your favorite? All of them. All of them are your favorite? You have, you see, you have a deeper connection to Harry Potter than I do, necessarily. I wouldn't say that. Well, you, it was, he was part of your life for longer. <laughs> well, I resisted reading them at first. I've always been, like, a huge bookworm, but I had been gifted the Harry Potter books... Uh, I think 2000 or 2001, mm-hmm. one of those years. When they were getting real popular. Yeah, when they were getting very popular. I was like, I don't know. And then I started reading the first one. I read it all in one, like, a few hours. Oh. And I was, like, so excited. I love that I, I had gotten both, both of them at the same time, I think, the first mm-hmm. one and the second one. So then I, like, was like, oh, my God, I love this. So you I just read devoured the second it. one. And I don't know if too many more were released aside from those two when I had gotten them. Yeah. So I kind of, I mean, I remember buying one of the copies in Europe. Um, mm-hmm. I think it was like the fifth or sixth one. Yeah. Because it had like an alternate title. Like you'll find that too. Where, um, exactly. Where it's they, like the Philosopher's Stone. And the Sorcerer's Stone, mm-hmm. yeah. I, I thought this was a fun experience overall. It was kind of harrowing at times. No, yeah, yeah. No, I, I think it was really nice to watch them all together. Because mm-hmm. I don't know if I would have the same appreciation if we had spread it out. Mm-hmm. And they all are really a good cohesive, like... Cohesive plotting and narrative. Which doesn't usually happen when you put it over that many years. Exactly. Because a lot of the big trilogies that you think about, you have, um, you know, they're done. They're Well, like Peter Jackson, fam- he films all of his movies at once if he's going to split it up into three yeah. movies. I can't... Em- I don't think there's any other eight movie series that runs this smoothly together mm-hmm. and people will say mcu they're lying no definitely because there's not. so much retconning and mm-hmm. changing mm-hmm. that happens in the mcu but that's what happens when you already have books plotted out and ready to go mm-hmm. you know and that because it's such a direct adaptation that's why it works and why it runs so smoothly and because there are elements of the design that stay consistent throughout now there are some directors who went above and beyond we know who but oh my god! <laughs> but I think this is probably this is a really good lesson in how to pull off a major franchise. Yeah, honestly, and it's kind of amazing the feat of production that this was. You but know? I mean, honestly, biggest biggest lesson: consistency. Yeah, absolutely. Like they. They were never lazy with this. The tone was constantly evolving, but the evolutions made sense. Mm-hmm. And even even when the directors had slightly different like filming styles, you know, it still was the visual language was still consistent because they reused the same sets. They it was all the same mm-hmm. actors, and it was like sure the camera might have been more innovative than others at some point, but it's like it still told that story, and the story came across. And the screenwriting was very good. The only thing I regret is not reading anything that was hypercritical of it. To know what the main criticisms would be from people who actually know, like... Or actually, you know, just anyone who has an opinion. Because I don't know anyone that hates these movies. I would like to, um... I would like to get an opinion from someone 
who maybe hadn't read the books but had seen all the movies. Ooh. That, Do you think that exists? Oh, they exist. They exist out there. I'm Where sure are you? I'm sure, I'm sure there are film critics out there who hadn't touched oh, the books. Oh, that's true. Like older people, So I would yeah. love to go and maybe read some criticism well, from the time. You know, I'm also thinking, like, what what even can you equate this phenomenon to right now or even Star Wars. before this? Star Wars. Star Wars is... No, but, like, book. There's there were no Star Wars books when Star Wars came out. Lord though. of the Rings. And that the Lord yeah, of the, but that happened concurrently is the yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. Lord of the Rings happened within it. It's a beloved, widely beloved fantasy series with a dedicated fan following. Well, if you're going that was adapted that for basis. a big budget, but, but it's anything? different because the thing is the books were also still coming out concurrently while the movies were in production. But it's also like there may never be a phenomenon like this ever again. Is another kind of like thought. I mean, there could be, but well, like I think that there will be other adaptations like this. I just don't know. If any book series that works like this will ever be this big again, you know, because like when you think about book series that are similar to this, you think about something like Percy Jackson or something like, like that. Like, what other book series has a theme park like land after them? Like, I mean, it's it's. I mean, a, it's after the movies, which were made from them. A global sensation, but, like it's, and it's wild. And you know, sometimes it. Maybe colors people's thought a little too much. Oh, for sure. No. I'm very like we're all very tired That's why of, I know, of Twitter like, liberals, you know, yeah. who are like it's Voldemort, and it's like no, it's it's Hitler. That's why I would like to know some like <laughs> criticisms. Appreciation for this one, the practical very good, the uh, the effects very good overall. Um, David Yates still very fascinated with fire magic, but I think. And I think that's something that you see happening in Fantastic Beasts as well. I love the fiend fire scene. I it's yeah. so good. Can I can I talk about my favorite character in this? Series? Your favorite character in the series, Mrs. Norris. Mrs. Norris. She's always there. Who's I? She, she's made it through the whole thing. Her eyes change colors. Her eyes colors. are sometimes red. I don't know why they're red, but I'm going to find that out. <laughs> it's an important thing. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, I can make some fan art of Mrs. Norris. It here. was kind of fun to just yell about. Filch wanting his wanting someone to marry his daughters oh, every time he was I on screen. I love Filch. Filch is a he realistic character. Students in the corridors. <laughs> uh, and like credit to all the great character actors that they brought. Like Jim Broadbent. Oh, so good. Slughorn. Jim Broadbent. He's huge. Yeah. Well. It's really funny because I had actually forgotten completely about Slughorn before rewatching this. Oh no! Yeah, that's interesting. Oh. I have to say there is one criticism I have of this series, and once you've done it, you don't really want to keep doing it. Like, it's great and it holds its value, but it's not. I don't know. So you have like no interest in rereading, even no. even outside mm-hmm. of the fact that. The books are but written for the grade levels that he's my at. My personality is not to reconsume things. I like to experience as many things as I can and not re like especially re I do not reread reread. I just got into rewatching movies when we like basically when we started doing this podcast. Mm-hmm. I mean, <laughs> you've seen me. You know, yeah. I've watched Thirty Rock like yeah. at least five times. Parks and Rec probably ten. You mm-hmm. know, I I will reconsume serial things all right, the time. which isn't a habit that I had previously. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I take credit for that one. Mm-hmm. It's not saying there's not value in mm-hmm. it, but the series as a whole on a five star scale, three point five. It's missing a lot of like diversity, and it definitely could be expounded on. Mm-hmm. Which is, I mean, that's a good thing too. 
Like, that you could expound on if you wanted mm-hmm. to. I think I give the series as a whole also about a 3.5. Mm-hmm. I give Prisoner of Azkaban a 5. Oh my gosh, no, yes. Really, really, like, which, if, if you had to pick one of the movies to give a 5, which would you pick? I don't know, I think Deathly Hallows Part 1. Really? Yeah. I th- Yeah, I understand that. I understand that. Like, I'm gonna be honest, numbers 2 through 4 of my ranking are essentially interchangeable. They're all very good films. Like, very good. Okay. We finally Wait, get we to... Bought, s- we forgot one one thing. There's one more thing that one we forgot to mention that's culturally relevant to this series. Yes. The Very Potter musical. Oh my god. A very niche thing that we're, apparently... We're part of the Pocket Podcast Only people Network. on YouTube between the years of like 2008 and Golden 2010. Golden Globe winner Darren, Darren Chris yes. is the boy who lived Harry Potter. Asio guitar. <laughs> We're part of the Pocket Podcast Network. Red uh, Vines. Other shows include... Uh, <laughs> uh, Sorted. Sorted, which is relevant if for this If you like one. Harry Potter, go check that one out. It's not a Harry Potter podcast, no. but it's a podcast that looks at the it's world through Harry Potter. Which is, honestly, this per- particular aspect of Harry mm-hmm. Potter using the houses is a very interesting way to like look at characters mm-hmm. so it's fun to do yeah there's ghoul tank which if you like uh if you like if you liked magical creatures, creatures definitely they, check that out yeah if you like england check out time zones are hard mm. yes exactly and if you like anything else at all if you liked what chris had to say check out them's the facts yeah. love him big again a big thank you to all our friends who came him. out for this we love them all especially the ones who actually came <laughs> Um, the, we, let's see, cocktails, drunk for this. We just had Felix Felicis, which was pretty fun. And that was just John pouring too much alcohol in a cup. Anyway. It was not. Okay, fun fact. Bethany couldn't taste the whiskey that I put in the first time. It was limeade, whiskey, and elderflower liqueur, and it was very tasty. And here I am. I already have a hangover. And Bethany couldn't taste any alcohol at first, so I gave it another pour of whiskey. And apparently she was like, why did you do that? But but apparently it didn't taste like a cocktail at first. So, if you want some liquid luck, try that out. No, I don't do that. Mm-hmm. Our theme music is by the Organ Machines. I, sung, I sang songs that were fair use by Stephen Sondheim earlier. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Maybe I'll put in a mini version of the Harry Potter theme because it won't get copyright claims. An 8-bit version. <laughs> Tunes Hedwig's theme. Uh, John Williams, we love you. Alexandra Desplat, we love you. Until next time. That's all, folks. Help will always be given at Hogwarts. Oh, God. To those who ask for it. Pocket Podcast Network. Quality programming right to your pocket.